Welcome to today's Conjugate Chat. With us is Matt Brown. Um, for those who don't know, Matt trained with us about, what, seven years? Mm-hmm. You've been here? Yeah, six years, I think. Yeah, and um, what we're trying to do here, we're trying to give you the athlete's perspective who are on the receiving end of strength conditioning and hopefully to learn from Matt as a professional athlete. Um, Matt, so before you got to Westside, how was your image of strength conditioning? How important was it to your training? Um, well, it was always, I always looked at it as a very important piece because from the beginning, I knew it was something I could control. Um, I think like I got told you before I was a personal trainer before, so I thought I knew strength and conditioning, yeah. right? And I had some certifications and stuff, but I always knew it was something I could control myself. I didn't, you know, the, the books and stuff are out there, the, the, um, all the the knowledge and the information is there for the taking. Unfortunately, there's a lot of research, knowledge, and uh, or junk out there mm-hmm. overall, right? So I certainly dug in deep myself, um, just didn't realize um, I was digging in the wrong places. It's very, very, very easy to do. Easy, yeah, very easy. And like I said, I, I, I knew from the beginning there was a few things that I – could absolutely control myself. And that was my mind, my diet, strength and conditioning, um, who I surround myself with, right? There's certain choices that I could make myself. The techniques are just simply a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And again, surrounding yourself with the right people that support that. Um, but you know, the, the overall total skill level, the actual sport form was something that is just a, a time thing. And a lot of genetics and, mm-hmm. and stuff that come into play with that. But the to be able to um, ma- you know manipulate the strength, the conditioning, diet, things that I could 100% guarantee control myself, I always dug as deep as I could into mm-hmm. that. Um, thinking again, thinking that I was digging in the right places. But that's just because you had an interest in strength and conditioning. Yeah, but you, I guess like most things, once you kind of get past the the initial phase like the initial part is always the hardest mm-hmm. right where everything seems so complicated you know i got past that and had a, my interest grew right away then sort of like you know your first time lifting weights sucks because you don't know how to lift weights and yeah. you know and, and you see other people lifting heavy weights you don't know how or why it's working and then once you get into it and you start getting your groove you start figuring things out and i think it's the same thing when you know the first book i read it was probably, you know, whatever it was, it was probably some book that um, didn't really, you know, wasn't right or anything, right? But, um, you know, it didn't make any sense to me. And then you read another one, makes a little more sense. Yeah. And start getting to the ecosystem and digging deeper and deeper and just going down that rabbit hole. And the more that I learned, the, the more I liked it and the more that I realized I didn't know. And well, that's the biggest thing I've learned is that the more books I read, I'm like, God damn, dude, I don't know anything. Yeah, you start thinking you you're real smart and then you yeah. be super training again and realize you're a dumbass, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like you just let me, uh, you just gave me the Bonderchuk books the other day. And I mean, there's just, there's so many, and then there's so many varying thoughts that one go against the other and you're like, well, mm. what, what the fuck am I supposed to choose? And the, and the fact is, it's all so simple, right? Yeah. Especially like when you get like, specifically like the bonder truck books right oh wow it's awful simple to this guy yeah <laughs> he makes it yeah. and uh i think probably the best quote i ever heard man 
was that not too long ago. I said principles are few, methods are many. And that's mm -hmm. the principles are pretty damn simple, right? We all well, know the principles. I, I think oh, we're in the age right now, especially with social media, that we've gotten so far away from basic biology mm -hmm. and basic understanding what an organism is that the methods don't justify it to where right. if you get stuck on such a linear program or method to where nothing we do everything's dynamic everything moves to where how you're trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole and i think that's what people don't understand and you can read all these books but if it doesn't if it's not based around dynamic system you're screwed right and people don't have that foundation and, and well one thing i've noticed too when we talk about reading all these books is that a lot of them are applying their methods mm -hmm. but they forget the principles yeah and that's why i love that quote principles are few methods are many right because if we uh, if we are going to the same destination, then we can find a way there, right? Mm -hmm. But like if my principle is getting there by walking and yours is by driving, you know we'll still get to the same place. Mm -hmm. But the destinations end up different, yep. right? And so just, yeah, you know, just the principles, man. Like they're not that complicated. Yeah, they're out there, um, but these books water it down. Mm -hmm. you know and especially you know some of the greatest books water down super training right waters the shit out of it right and confuse the hell out of you and they, you know but that's because you know they have a deeper understanding but but yeah you know i, I just think um when we get into the the strength and conditioning as long as we keep those principles very sound you know we can all find our own methods to get there i i think the the biggest thing, and I, and I learned a lot from working with you, is that you question a lot of stuff, not in a negative way, but in why. Mm. Like, and I think that's an important thing that coaches need to be kept, mm -hmm. not on their toes, but you've got to justify what you're doing. And if it's not benefiting you as an athlete, then why are you doing it? Right. And uh, I think that's a big thing that people forget about. And that's what I wanted to, to bring in. What was that one of the reasons why you ended up at Westside? Because you came just before I came in, and I wanted to know, like, what was the initial? Why did you end up coming to Lou or to Westside? Well, why did I end up coming here? You know, the first time I ever walked in the door here, I had no idea what it was, right? And that was long before you know I even started coming because yeah. regularly. And I had no idea who Lou was, and I had no idea what Westside was, and the beast and the monster that it was. And then I came back, actually. So, you know, I, when the first time I came here, it was like some shitty garage, <laughs> grungy gym. I was like, why do you care about that, right? And then uh, I came back later because my friend actually gave me the guy that I was training with, he gave me the book Super Training. <laughs> and I think I, I came back and uh, somebody, I can't remember who, but somebody told me like, like, oh yeah, that dude, he goes down to Westside, like Verkashen or Melsif. I mean, yeah. they're like, yeah, he's been to Westside a few times. I was like, wait a minute, that shitty garage, grungy gym that I was at. And they said, yeah, that one. They said, that's like, you know, world-class gym. People spend their lives wanting to get in there. And I, I thought, well, I could just go in there, <laughs> you know, cause Louie likes fighters. So I came back and then said, yeah, but it's, I don't know if I ever even told you the the when I first came back and I just walked in, you know, and I was a little nervous, like all these big dudes around. And then Louis came up and his nose was bleeding and ears were bleeding. And he just wiped the blood off his face and he said, hey, good to see you, man. Come train. I thought, man, this is my home. You know, it felt home uh, that day. And 
And I've always been the kind that I like that uh, nervous feeling. Mm -hmm. I believe that is, uh, you know, that's something that I always chase towards, right? Is that, that fearful feeling. And I got that feeling a lot at Westside at the beginning, you know, and especially when we started training together, I'd be mm -hmm. like, fuck, man, what am I doing today? Yeah. What kind of stupid thing are we going to do? <laughs> right. And I didn't understand the system, but I, uh, as I learned the system, you know, then that fear became, um, you, you know, uh, it's easier to justify. Yeah. Right. Because at first you're just afraid, I'm just saying, damn, we're going to do a crazy work. I'm going to be sore. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to do a crazy workout and sore, but it's going to give me this. So yeah. now I'm going to run towards it even harder. I think that was when you came, was at the start when I was working with Lou. And this is when Lou has turned my world upside down on what I thought I knew was strength conditioning. Mm -hmm. To where done that the, to a lot of people, right? Yeah, <laughs> he gave me a basic physics books, the book of the five rings, and uh, science of practice of strength training. Nice. He gave me these three books, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" And um, then you said something on the first week that we worked together, and that changed my perception completely. Was that um, usually when you come out of college or whatever, whoever you learn from? you become a little bit of a dictator. You don't understand it, but you talk, not two athletes, you kind of talk down, you're going to do what I say. And you said that I'm a professional athlete, that I'm going to try to get as much out of this because it's on me to become better at my sport. And I'm like, I never thought about that. Mm. I'm like, if you're going to half-ass it, you're not going to affect me, you're going to affect yourself. And then that's when Louie always told me to train the athlete as they are, with mm. their own temperament, not with yours. Mm. And those two kind of collided and... I think you you are the genesis for basically our our fight program now that we work with people mm -hmm. because we try and learn a lot of stuff along the way, but it was always to make better athletes. And I think the one of the biggest things was that not being a yes man and then you asking questions and that combined into where we actually got honest mm -hmm. answers. And I think that's where a lot of coaches screw up on. Mm -hmm. They tend to agree too much with athletes yeah. and they're afraid to go, hey, slow your roll. Right. It's a, it's a very interesting dynamic, especially for fighters, right? Where it's not a team sport, like mm -hmm. you know, on team, you know, you're obviously you can have your own guys, but you're paid by the team and you train with that team coach or in it. And, and you're doing, you know, the same as everybody else. And especially in college, I'm sure. But our dynamic is a little different, right? Cause I pay you to make me do things I don't want to do. Yeah. And on the same token, I'm the CEO and I could fire you any day. Well, and that's a very, very good point that you bring up, and um, which I think if you could elaborate on about being the CEO of your mm -hmm. own body, which I, I don't think people or athletes especially don't understand. Well, I think once I once I came to Westside, I think I learned that better than anywhere else. So I, I just came from a different place, and um, you know I won't mention any names, but the guy was a a genius strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he's written many books. We all know. Um, you probably know who I'm talking mm -hmm. about, you know, and the, but the culture was terrible, right? The, um, the culture was really, you know, he was just a, a nerd genius guy, mm -hmm. right? There, there was no push in the gym. There is no hardcore training in the gym. So that's when around that time, when I started realizing like I can, you know, as the CEO, I get to decide who's around me. I create the culture and this is my business that I'm building and, when I do that, I have to hire people that contribute to that culture. And that, exactly what you're talking about, where you train you know, the athlete his way because it's his business. Mm -hmm. He's the one that has to step in there. But if the business needs a certain thing, 
it's also your job to step in and say it needs a certain thing. That's why I say I, I, I pay you guys to make me do things I don't want to do because, of course, I could, I've had coaches before where I, I come into the gym and they say, they say, what do you want to do today? I say, well, I want to go home and eat ice cream and watch porn. <laughs> I don't really want to be yeah. here sweating with your dumb ass. Um, so it's not really about what I want to do, but – um, you know, that, I mean, that's sort of a joke, but, at the, you know, but realistically, I think um, we just coincidentally meshed, mm -hmm. right? I came to the right place, right time, me and you, we meshed pretty well. I think there's a lot of guys I, I recommend to my athletes now, like sit down with your coaches and decide, you know, write it out, like say what you want to do. And that's where I talk about having a mission statement and having a... Uh, uh, a, a business plan. I mean, you could legitimately write down a business plan. Like you are a business mm -hmm. and you, you got to have a marketing strategy, promotion strategy. And, and it's not for everybody either. There's certainly athletes that they're like, Hey, I just, you know, I, I just want to, uh, go test myself to fight. Like there's, there's just testing my martial art. I don't care about marketing. I don't care about strategy. And I said, that's fine. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Don't expect to get paid for that. You know, don't expect your business to, to make money. I mean, there's, uh, lots of nonprofits out there, yeah. you know, and that's essentially what you're doing in that, in that case. And you're hoping that you'll, you, uh, you know, kind of hoping for the best, right. And hoping that your martial arts are good enough that they speak for themselves. You know, if you want to, you know, really do something, I mean, you could look at the, you know, the top of the food chain, right. Mm -hmm. Connor. I mean, you know, we see it, this weekend's fights might end up selling 2 million freaking pay-per-views, yeah. you know, and, I think if you could probably, I don't know if Connor has specifically done it, but you could probably break down like a, a mission statement, a, a promotion strategy, a sales strategy, a marketing strategy. He certainly has people around him that are building those things out for him, whether he's actually doing it himself or not. But he's created that staff around him and mm -hmm. that culture around him that, uh, you know, it's more, you know, he's, he has a, a true business. But he's definitely changed the format of how you go to the top. Yeah, absolutely absolutely and, and you know he also uh yeah you got to give credit where credit's due he certainly spoke for himself too mm -hmm. inside the cage with his actions certainly spoke as loud as his words did i mean when you knocked out Aldo in 13 seconds his whole world changed yeah right if he didn't win that fight it would be a different world right now mm -hmm. you know i'd be talking about how great connor is and it, we'd still be like wow he's got a great mouth but yeah. he can't win a fight you know um I think he, well, he surrounded himself with the right people mm -hmm. that kind of helped him shape to where, okay, this is how far you should go. Because he's, the whole thing is incredibly smart. Like to where once you can get, even from the press conferences onwards, like how many people tune in just to watch a press conference <laughs> right. when he talks? It's crazy. Right. And that's getting, you know, when you, when you look at an entire business, I mean, that's part of the promotion strategy, right? Like look at Nike, you know, yeah. they have a promotion strategy. You know, whether you agree with it or not, it's, you people are talking. Yeah, people are talking and their stocks have went up. So, you know, and that's not because of their product, which yeah. like ours, our product is stepping inside the cage yeah. and and fighting. But how you promote that, you know, is different. What do you think strength coaches get wrong, especially when it comes to mixed martial arts? Um, I think the number one thing that strength coaches get wrong is they really a, a lot of them focus too much on um you know the the strength side the the strength and conditioning side right so 
the way that I look at it, everything I do from from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed is how do I get myself into sport form, mm-hmm. right? It's not about necessarily being stronger, being faster. Be, like I want sport form, and that's not necessarily uh, athleticism. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily um, – you know, a number on a board or anything, right? Everything is sport form. And I think a lot of them don't necessarily, so when I say that, they don't necessarily see that goal. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of them, they, they get caught up in their own method. They get caught up in their own, um, you know, like functional training mm-hmm. or, you know, these buzzwords and, and sort of the fluff, right? There's yeah. a lot of fluffy shit that they want to do. And ultimately I have to say, does that, is that going to increase my sport form in the end? And again, that's about having a destination and how do we get there? Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a thousand ways to skin a cat, right? But mm-hmm. they all require a sharp blade. Mm-hmm. So let's have a sharp blade first and we'll skin the damn cat one way or another, right? Um, and that's where, you know, I think Westside gets it right is everything is about that sport form, right? Where everything we're doing is, is contributing to that and there's no wasted energy. Whereas there's a lot of places I've, I've been, a lot of uh, training I've seen where they're not contributing to that. And the UFCPI, I think, is doing a really great job of analyzing what is sport form mm-hmm. and how can we contribute to that better. Um, I think their their analysis book was really mm-hmm. amazing. You know, I think they really are hitting it head on. But I, there's maybe a little bit of over-analysis too, right? Because you can't necessarily correlate everything to winning and losing in martial arts mm-hmm. um, or you, you can't necessarily analyze it and say this, you know, there's a correlation that, you know, you, 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 your analysis uh, was raised here and you won, right? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily work that way. So I think um, that's the most complicated part. Uh, I've said it a million times, a lot of people win in spite of their training, not mm-hmm. because of their training. And I think, you know, Every time I've won, I certainly attribute it to my training. And when I lose, I attribute it to my training. But it's not always true. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if that was true, right, then I'd go to on coke binge like John Jones a week <laughs> before every fight because, yeah. you know. There's no rhyme or reason. You're just winning. Yeah. He, he won, you know, not because of his training, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, otherwise, I mean, I'd be happy to go party a week before <laughs> every fight. You know? the, um, what I've found is within – the ecosystem are within the environment or culture of a of working with an MMA fighter. Even though it's an individual sport, you are part of a team. Mm-hmm. And I think a big thing that gets fucked up along the way is the communication loops to where when you, you're dealing with a bunch of alpha males, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not, mm-hmm. especially with each discipline, and to where everyone thinks that what they're doing is the most important aspect of your training right there and then. Mm-hmm. even And that comes down to a strength coach. And to where you have to realize we're just a part of this pie. Mm-hmm. But the communication needs to go back. It needs to go back to you as the CEO to where if you're jiu-jitsu instructor, your striking instructor, whoever, if they're not all talking with the strength coach to where, well, then you got no idea where you're at. Or we're both trying to... If you're doing- and, and that's... So, yeah, exactly, to piggyback on that. So the, And that's what I talk about. We're talking about getting into sport form. Mm-hmm. You know, the strength that specifically like needs to contribute to that. And, and that's where that communication feedback you're talking about is really important. And that, and I think the, 
the way to do that, the reason it's so important is because, you know, the jiu-jitsu guys and Muay Thai guys, I mean, I'm sure you've dealt with a thousand of them that they're like, ah, you don't need that strength and, you know, you don't need this or whatever, like just get and do your technique. And then, you know, there's one of the other big mistakes is the strength guys, try, a lot of them try to do too much strength, right? Mm -hmm. They try to do too much uh, strength and conditioning and they forget about the technique. And that's when I talk about the sport form is really putting those two together, yeah. right? You, you need to increase your strength. You need to increase your conditioning. You need to increase your, your skills, your capacity. I mean, there's a million things, mm -hmm. right? But um, that communication, and again, to me, that goes back to the beginning. The, you're the CEO, you create the culture, you know? Um, if you have a guy that isn't, you know, you know, that's old school or, you know, isn't a believer, then you know, he can come off the team. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to have him on the team. And that's probably the biggest struggle of being an MMA fighter is creating that team of guys that are all conducive towards one another too. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how, how many businesses fail, not because of the leader, but because of the staff around them. Because you, you're, you're putting a lot of trust in the people. I don't think mm -hmm. uh, coaches understand that how much trust has actually been given to them. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing as good a job possible, well, then most athletes are not going to know that. Mm -hmm. They're going to just assume that take it on merit, you're doing the best job possible. Especially to, yeah. if you're trying to make a business for yourself. And that's where I think that there's this line a strength coach shouldn't cross when it comes to publicizing what they do or trying to caliber on the back or carry on the back of athletes to where oh, I'm working with this person. Well, what, yeah. what are you doing? Well, when, before I got into it, like strength and conditioning was a terrible job to where you want to get up at three o'clock in the morning, make no money, go to bed <laughs> at 11 o'clock. Like no one wants to do it. Sure. But now it's, a, it's like MMA. Everyone wants to be a fighter. Everyone wants to be some sort of a well, coach. I think, I think you know, the, the, they're probably one in the same and uh, it's the same that we see every January. Yeah. Right? Everybody Boom wants time. to be in shape, right? Yeah. Um, but but they don't really want it, right? It's a difference between interest and commitment. That's right? a big there's, thing. A, there's a lot of people interested in January. Um, and July is when the people that are committed are still there. Right? That's, yeah. You know, that's where we... I think we see a lot of that, especially in MMA, right? There's a lot of people that are interested in being a fighter. But then when you're coming up on the scene and you can't find a fight and the promoter wants to pay you... 500 bucks when you should be worth 2000 or whatever. And you got to fight this tough guy and they're bringing you in as a sacrificial lamb to go into his hometown. Like now are you a fighter? Yeah. Now are you interested in it? You know, he's not going to pay your medicals. He's not going to give you travel. You got to drive there. Um, you know, now how much are you wanting to be a fighter? And you're going to be booed when you go there and people, you know, going to tell you how you're getting knocked out and, you know, now how much are you interested? You're not making any money off of it. You spent your whole purse on driving there. Yeah. You know, and they're, and they're not going to give you a sauna. Like, you got to find your own. And, you know, they're going to try to set you up, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I've been through that a thousand times. And it's like, you know, now do you want to? You know, it sounded all fun, right? When, you, when, you, when you're going to fight at the local bar and, and you know you you, build, you fight some guy that you know from down the street you know he sucks and you're going to get laid tonight because you're going to beat this guy up and you're the big fish in the little pond right sounds all glorious but you know that's an interest yeah right? a commitment is saying look at you know i'm willing to do this for whatever i got to do willing to be broke and go through the yeah yeah name. go through the grind and that's I think it's the same, you know, in MMA fighters, and I think it's the same in uh, pretty much every job, right? Mm -hmm. 
like a, a lot of people are interested in the results, but are you committed to the process? Yeah. You know, then you see, I mean, how many people are interested in having a Lamborghini? Like most every guy, right? But the reason that we don't have many Lamborghinis around is because people are not committed to getting Lamborghinis, yeah. right? We're just, we just have an interest in it. I mean, same as me, like I'm very interested in having a Lamborghini, but I'm not committed to it. Yeah. You know, it's not worth my commitment. The, um, I want to run this past you. So my take on being a good strength coach for an athlete or an MMA athlete is that one, you avoid SPP in terms of there's no point in me having you do punches because you're going to do punches all the time. Mm-hmm. But if I can make Matt Brown a better version of Matt Brown to where if I train you generally, I'm helping you increase your level of adaptability to whatever your skill acquisition mm-hmm. is. And I think most strength coaches going, I'm going to make you a better fighter. Well, no, you're not. I'm not going to teach you anything. Mm. But if I can make you a better human being, if I can make sure you're, again, it comes back to making sure your joints are right, making sure you got the basic fundamentals. But if I can generally make you a better human all around, well, then I should have increased your level of adaptability. And I think mm. the highest level of adaptability an athlete can have, the better you can perform. And I think yeah, that's probably even more true, right, in MMA. Mm-hmm. Right, because we have to be very adaptable and we have so many different things we're doing. I mean, of course, if you're training like a, you know, like a hammer throw guy or something, doing mm-hmm. one thing, right? Like you don't have to be that adaptable. Like you just yeah. have to be able to have a higher capacity of doing that one thing, right? And being able to, you know, train that one thing. And that's, you know, certainly you could probably speak more about that than me, but I feel like in MMA, I mean, you certainly have to be more adaptable than probably any other sport that I can think of, except maybe a deck athlete, yeah. athlete or something like that, right? So, you know, and I, and again, I think that's um, that goes back to like we're we're increasing our sport form, right? And if you, and if you're making me uh, uh, to better, wh- where I can, I'm better when I do get on the mats, mm-hmm. then my sport form is able to go up, mm-hmm. right? If so, that's again where I think one of the big mistakes that they make is they, you know. That, that's this is obviously going to be different for every athlete, and you know we have to analyze them and and say. And say, where you know, what does this guy need to be more adaptable? What does he need? You know, is it his joints? Is mm-hmm. it you know his strength? Is it you know his cardio? Or you know, I mean, what is it that he needs where he can spend more time on the mats and perform these techniques at a higher level? And I think it's different with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, there, but there's certainly certain again certain principles that are going to apply across the board, um, which are you know just a few principles, right? But the <clears throat> you know when we get to um, building the guy into better sport form i think there's a lot of guys um a a lot of strength coaches trying to propagate their techniques you call it functional fitness or call it Mm -hmm. whatever kind of bullshit i mean that's just the the easiest one to come up with because we hear it way too often right um i I just read tom brady's book and he all he talked about was pliability you know it's a a word that his strength coach made up yeah right like you're a more pliable athlete and it's it's like, okay, well, where's the science, right? You yeah. know, defined, you know, define this. And funny enough, like all I looked for in the entire book was a definition of that and it never was defined. It was just a, a buzzword. Yeah, it's a buzzword, right? Yeah. And, you know, what's his name? Uh, like Kelly Starrett wrote a whole book on it, like Supple mm-hmm. Leopard book, right? And, again, it was never really defined, right? You know, there's, you know, 
it could be taken very wrong. Like, you know, if you're an elderly person, like you have very soft muscles, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like if you're just laying around all day, your muscles get soft and it's not a good thing. And you could be, you know, some of the strongest people in the world have pliable, so to speak, muscles, right? Like they're, you know, like, uh, especially like Olympic weightlifters, right? Like they're very, very flexible and, you know, and flexibility is, you know, not necessarily the, the only uh, piece of that puzzle, but, uh, you know, it's just an example. Anyway, I'm starting mm -hmm. to rant on, on the side, but you know, the, these sort of buzzwords and these, you know, that you want to talk about getting that system, but is that, you know, creating a better sport, uh, form, right? Is the yeah. athlete going to be able to perform his sport better? And that's not always the case. So becoming your own CEO, how high a level of understanding do you think an athlete should have of each element of their training? That's a great question. And that's, uh, that's a, a uh, not necessarily a clear answer. I, I think there's certainly a balance. Um, like I try, I've tried to understand everything too far, mm -hmm. I think, and maybe some analysis paralysis. And, you know, I've read every book you guys sell more than once, most of them. Um, I've studied this shit, you know, to the depths of the universe. And it's like, do I need to know this much? Because now every time I, I train, I'm like, is this the way or is yeah. this the way, right? And that's where now I kind of believe, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of education you should know to know whether you're hiring the right guy. And that's all you need to know. Mm -hmm. Let him, you know, deal with the, the details. Yeah. Right. But you need to know that you're hiring the right right thing, right? Like you, you should understand Muay Thai enough that if you have a Muay Thai coach, you know that the guy's legit. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you should have a enough of an understanding of strength and conditioning that you know if the guy's legit, right? And that's not even you don't even need to know that much. Like, like I would know if a guy's West Side Barbell certified, like he's a good coach. Like mm -hmm. he went through some sort of process. Now he may not mesh with my culture still. Mm -hmm. right? He may not personality wise be the guy that I want, but you know, that's certainly a good prerequisite, right? Or, How important is that personality? Uh, I think it's maybe more important to be honest. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's, if I've made a mistake in my career, that's where I've probably, uh, in terms of being the CEO, I, I would say that's probably where my biggest mistake is I never looked at personality. Mm -hmm. I think we got, I got lucky when I came to Westside with people like you, where we mesh well, but a lot of the guys I've hired, I, I've skipped past the personality part. And I was like, look, I can just deal with the personality. You got the credentials. Let's make it work. And what, what was the negative impact of that? Do you think on you? Uh, their personalities, you know, certainly in, I think to be really good at anything, you certainly have to have a strong personality. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, your, your personality is going to be unique. I mean, you know, just doing the stuff that we do, it's going to create, uh, uh, um, some insanity in your mm -hmm. head. Right. So, so I think, um, it, it just, it's caused a lot of problems, man. You know, these guys, uh, they're really, you know, could be narcissistic, uh, um, or egotistical, um, selfish, greedy, different things like that, which for an athlete is not necessarily a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you may want, it's not bad to be a narcissist if you're a, you know, world champion athlete that may not be conducive towards your life, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe hurt you you know, in, in your home life and, you know, in the, the long-term things. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, most champions are very selfish, right? So, the, you know, there's not necessarily a bad thing for that. But so if I look at, you know, like I need to hire a wrestling coach, for instance, mm -hmm. right? 
that the Olympic guy, Olympic gold medalist may not be the best guy. Like he's obviously put his life into himself. Mm -hmm. So he may not be the best guy just because his credentials are there. So I need to look at the personality a little bit too. Um, and maybe that's not the Olympic guy, mm -hmm. the Olympic gold medalist, right? Um, and then the other part of it too is, you know, their personality has to be a giving, mm -hmm. you know, and caring uh, relationship. And for me, I'm at the, the way I look at it now, I'd rather have someone care and only be 50% good than not care and be 100% good, right? I got you. Yep. Right? That, that passion and caring. And the reason for that is, um, like I've talked about in the past, it, the if we all know why we're doing it and it all feels good and we all mesh together, then we can, the how part can kind of be hammered out as we go along and we can figure that out. And um, that's, I think, sort of a part of having a long-term uh, relationship with guys because the how just you know builds itself like if you know if you know why you're building a house you can figure out how to build a house yeah if if you don't if you already have a big house and you don't you know beautiful house and you have no reason why you need to build another house then you know you're gonna build a piece of shit house yeah but if you know if you're like well I, I need a house for this reason because i need a fucking roof over my head you're gonna figure out how to build a house and then get knocked over you build a better house knocked over you build a better one so if you're going to give out tips, just say for an athlete listening, if you're going to hire, okay, I got a fight coming up. I want to hire a camp or I want to hire coaches. What would you say to athletes now aim towards strength and conditioning? But if they're going to hire someone, what are the few fundamental questions you think they should ask? You know, the, I think the simplest thing is, you know, are you on the same mission as me? And this what you know, it's a mission statement, but mm -hmm. you could, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be, you know, are, are you on the same path? Are you on the same journey? You know, if, uh, if your journey is headed in the same direction as mine, then we can work together. And I think that's the, the most fundamental core basic thing. I mean, again, if, um, even if they're not, um, you know, the most credentialed or the most educated mm -hmm. we can, those things can be worked out, you know, but look, if we're on the same journey, like, you know, you want to be the coach of a world champion and I want to be world champion. Look, we can mm -hmm. figure out how to make this work. Right. Um, as long as they, I think, you know, it's just important. They understand that they're working for you. Um, or, or at least with you. Yeah. I don't like saying working for you. Right. Yeah. Because you know, you're really, you know, working together. And that's the, I think that's the important thing is, you know, getting them to understand, look, we're a team here. You know, you're not working for me. I'm not working for you. We're a team. And we're doing this to, to again, the end goal is the sport form. Mm -hmm. If that's your end goal too, you know, for each fight, right, that, that's your end goal, then we can work together. If your end goal is, you know, to, to propagate your uh method your self-image yeah your yeah. image or you know you want to be social media famous you just want to get laid whatever and there's nothing wrong with that look i mean we all got to have a business and um if if that's what you want in your life that's perfectly fine but that may not necessarily mesh with what i'm doing mm -hmm. uh for myself so you know i think it's it's not a uh, that uh, it seems that people have a hard time figuring out this conversation but or, or figuring these things out but uh, you know, all you do is have the conversation. Like, sit down and talk. Look, look what do you want with this? And um, like, I'm opening a gym right now. And when people come to me and they say, hey, man, I want to work for you, whatever. 
you know, I sit them down and said, what do you want? Right. And it's amazing. The answers you get, yeah. <laughs> right. It's really amazing. They say, what do you want out of this? Right. You think it'd be a simple thing. Right. Um, and, and I've come to find that, you know, I, I hire the people that generally their, their answer right then, like if it doesn't start with, you know, I want to help other people or I want to give, you know, mm -hmm. some, it's got to have something along the lines of giving out, you know, um, and not something coming in. If once it becomes a, then it's about them. If, if their answer has, you know, ends up there, then they're not working for me. If it's something about output, then we can work together because that's my mission. That's yeah. what my business is about is giving, right. And, and helping others come up. And that's not going to work with someone that wants something for themselves. I had a guy just the other day say, you know, oh, I want to open my own gym sometime. I'm like, well, why would you even be sitting in front of me right now? Go open your own gym, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so why would you expect that I would hire you? You know, do you think that strength coaches outside of the role of strength conditioning should act as an athletic buffer or regulator on training to a head coach to where if they're assessing and monitoring all aspects of training to where you like should tell a head coach, Hey, this athlete may need to back off Yeah, more so than what they just do. I think the strange cut, the strength coach generally is, has a lot more science and should at least right? yeah. <laughs> have, have a lot more scientific knowledge than the, the technique coach because, and, and that's something where I've learned, you know, especially like open a gym and everything. I'm like, I've, I've been obsessed with the science and mm -hmm. I love learning all that. And I want to do that sometime in my life. But each, each aspect of an athlete, I mean, is a, is an abyss, mm -hmm. you know, like it's a never ending hole. Um, we can certainly scratch the surface and it's just a, a valley, mm -hmm. right? But the, each just an arm bar itself, right? Or just a punch, just a kick. You could take each one and you go down a whole abyss, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could spend your entire life. Like I just did a presentation last weekend on just how to punch better, right? Just one technique. And I did an entire presentation on 60 minutes and found tons of science on it, yeah. you know, and, um, and learn a few things along the way myself, right? So that's just one technique. You could do that with a deadlift, a bench press, a mm -hmm. squat, right? Like these are abysses. These aren't, you know, just things you you yeah. scratch the surface and think that you know about. So, you know, I'm probably getting a little bit off track here, but I, I think, you know, when you, all these things, you, you have to know your core competency, mm -hmm. stick to it and dig deep into it. The... Uh, the the technique coach needs to be open-minded to that and understand there's a reason the, the, that that's part of the science of a strength coach, right? And our, as a technique coach, like your job is to know the techniques mm -hmm. to the fullest extent and know your athlete, know his techniques and let's improve on building those techniques. It's not your job to monitor and analyze the athlete um, you know, like his HRV or his, mm -hmm. you know, uh, recovery, his readiness and uh, trainability and things like that. Because that's a whole abyss in itself. Like, leave that to the science guy. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm not sure if that answers the yeah. question. Yeah, but. well, I, from people that we've worked with, you have rather big personalities, some of them. And Absolutely. then they're very, very good in what they do. And I feel that some coaches are afraid to say no you're wrong like it's okay to be wrong in the right setting 
but if you are not at least voicing your opinion like hey i am convinced this athlete's overtraining here's my objective data not subjective it's objective mm. here's where it's going wrong so if you keep doing this it's going to lead to overtraining or an injury or risk of injury goes mm. up but i feel that either a they're intimidated by the environment they're in they don't want to be wrong they don't want to have a negative connotation beside them telling you hey you got to back down because your job is to go i'll go mm. go go it's our job to go hey you got to take it easy and here's sure. why um and i feel that that's how a lot of people get injured because strength coaches are afraid to step up to the plate and if you get fired for doing your job well then at least you've done your job <laughs> yeah it's good. way better to do that than to stand back and go yes here let's train you you just came through a hell of a jiu-jitsu session you just did a conditioning session now i'm going to put you in the gym and work your ass off and then something goes out like either way you're mm. screwed you might as well be screwed on the air inside of your job that's a great point yeah because and, and that's where things get certainly get complicated when you have um I, I guess more even more so in these individual sports where everybody wants to take the credit mm -hmm. and um and a lot of guys would probably you, you know if, like if you're in this again if you're in it for the wrong thing if you're in it for yourself then it's not about doing the, the job, mm -hmm. right? Then it's about yourself and you're just going to try to figure out how you can keep fitting in, you know, and, and you may be trying to fit a square peg into a circle, right? And so I think, you know, again, that, that goes back to, look, if, if hiring the right guy and having the right culture around you, like this guy is pure and he's here for the right reasons, um, you know, then we can make it work and mm -hmm. we can figure out the how, right? And, and if the guy's... You know, you know, he needs to be a part of a culture. That's mm -hmm. what you're building as a business. You're the CEO. You're building a culture. The strength guy has to be in tune with the culture of the Muay Thai guy. The mm -hmm. Muay Thai guy has to be in tune with the culture of the Jiu-Jitsu guy. And you've been around me long enough. I mean, this is a very, very difficult thing to do. And it mm -hmm. takes a long time for everybody to build that trust and it takes a long time um, for everybody to be become... Uh, you know, friends on mm -hmm. top of being uh, different coaches. Yeah. And um, again, I can look back on my own career and I can see things where I've made these mistakes. Um, and I think that's, you know, staying in one place and building something goes a long way for that. Yeah. And, you know, uh, going out and trying to search for the next best thing is problematic. And this is why, again, like you start with a core foundation and you can say, this is the culture I want and we'll figure out the how, mm -hmm. right? This is why I want you on the team. This is, um, you're on the same uh, mission as me. We could figure out the how, but trying to constantly dig into this how, that's where I, again, if, if, if I will use my own example, you know, I'm I always be searching like, oh, he knows how better than he knows how, and mm -hmm. he knows how better than he, rather than just building a group that, um, yeah. you know, is, is in tune together and, you know that again I, I i can really you know use my own career as that sort of a a lesson uh now i call it the unicorn fallacy yeah, right? yeah. we're searching for that unicorn it doesn't exist you can yeah. i think uh, musashi said it best everything is within mm -hmm. that's the that's where the answer really is um and if i'm the ceo again and it's within me and i find it I can trickle that down to the next guy and the next guy that they, they all ultimately, even if they're in it for the wrong reasons, they all want you to succeed, mm -hmm. even if it's for their own reasons. Yeah. So, 
you know, you can use that for your own good mm -hmm. and use that to uh, build your own brand. And you just got to know um, through probably multiple conversations, but you just got to know that that's what they're here for. And I think that's a, a good trick <clears throat> or a tricky part to learn as the CEO of any business, right, is how to utilize your staff properly, right? Mm -hmm. So you build the staff, you know, and they're, they're on the, you're going to assume they're on the same mission, but, uh, you know, say you start to think what well, maybe a guy's wavering, right? You can still utilize him, right? Yep. And I think that's an important thing that it's very difficult, especially for a young athlete to learn. Uh, one thing that I've found, especially when we all work together, is that when you look at other coaches, and like we look at a lot and we talk to a lot, is again, you have that romantic view. I'm a strength coach as a pro athlete. I'm going to be in the gym. It's going to be the best method ever. But then you come to fight week and then you realize, well, there's a lot more variables here. Mm. So you got to cut weight. And you're like, well, cutting weight, we should probably have stuff prepared for that. Regardless, mm. if you ask or not, it's my job to make sure if I can reduce stress, I'll probably help reduce cortisol because you got enough stress dealing with mm. all the promotional side. And you were always great with doing that too. But yeah, thanks again, for always helping that. But you have to be dynamic. And that's the thing. You shouldn't be asked. Like if Matt Brown asked me, hey, can you pick up that bag? I'm like, well, I'm a strength coach. Why did I pick up? Like, Dude, you're a person too. Like you got to do all the little housekeeping stuff around. That's where, again, the, you know, why me and you always worked well together. Like we were on the same mission, mm -hmm. right? Like you, like you had a, a true passion for me winning that fight. It wasn't for yourself. It wasn't, you know, for, uh, to market yourself. So, you know, that mission statement, like would probably be very similar. We never like sat down and literally wrote it out, but you know, we're on the same mission. So, mm -hmm. You know, you, to you, it didn't matter that you were doing some, you know, housework like some woman should be doing or whatever, right? Like you, you weren't like, oh, you know, I'm not gonna fucking go cook that food for you. Like, you're like, no. What do we need to do so that you succeed? Yeah. Right. And you know, unfortunately, you know, again, you know, I don't think you were selfish about it. You literally just wanted to see every, the success. But some people may uh, be selfish about it. But again, I can utilize them too. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you want your own brand to succeed? Help me succeed. Yeah. You know, so I can, I can look at people now and I can figure out how to utilize them a lot better. And, and I think it's important, right? Because again, it's all about the sport form, right? Mm -hmm. If, you know, as a strength coach, you can do something up to a certain point to get that sport form. Mm hmm the week of the fight. You said, you're not going to go deadlift on the week of the fight. So what can you do to promote that sport form? Right. And that's why, you know, I don't, I, I, I like, that's why I like to use that term a lot more nowadays, right? The, you know, certain, I think everything is, uh, uh, the language that we use is, is so important. So this is how, you know, I start rephrasing the way mm -hmm. I say a lot of things. Um, and sport form is one of them, right? For instance, like when we go to the gym and then now I, I like to use the term martial skill, Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not martial art. Mm -hmm. Right. The art is what we express in yeah. the cage when we're fighting another man. Now we're and we practice the art. Right. Mm -hmm. We practice sparring. Right. That's when now you're practicing the art. And that's why people like doing it all the time. Cause they like the art. They don't like practicing the skill. They just want to express themselves as artists. Yeah. Right. And it's like uh, I like to use the analogy like if I'm playing guitar. Right. Like I go. You know, practice the scale. Ba -na 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 -na. Yep. Right now, I'm, that's practicing the skill, and I can do that a thousand times. It's boring as shit. Now, when I go on stage, I don't. I'm not doing that. I'm not going. Da -na -na -na. I'm going -na 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 -na. Yeah. like making music. Right. Yeah. I'm actually expressing an art, and I think that's important to understand that that dichotomy. 
and or that you know the the disparity between the two because uh you know we need to know that we put the two together sport form is him expressing his art fully mm-hmm. right that's what our ultimate goal is right so you know getting back circling back you know with the week of that fight what do we need to do to get him to so he can fully express his yeah. art and if you're on that same mission then it's all very simple right and and everybody's willing to do what they need to do and after the fight and correct me if i'm wrong but win or lose you should always analyze what was done up to it to see if you can improve upon it but if you lost a fight to where it sucks we get we win or losers but you can't take it personally to where well was it all my fault as a strength especially strength strength coaches do this a lot to where yeah i gotta completely change everything we've done because clearly it's my fault <laughs> yeah. but you but that's not the way the, the no. you're in a a huge league i think probably one of the most chaotic sports possible there's just so many variables that can happen mm-hmm. to where you could have the best game plan ever get hit and you're gone mm-hmm. but to where i see too many coaches who blame themselves i'm not saying that they're not to blame but they go change absolutely everything and they go chase after the next and this is greatest. what you're getting at here this is exactly where that, it goes right back to that mission right yeah. you're on the same mission what the mission is large mm-hmm. like for me this is i'm a lifelong martial artist this is what i'm gonna do to the day that i die like i'm gonna die on those mats right mm-hmm. The contest, the competition, the expression of the art is a picture in time. Mm-hmm. That's a picture of where I was at in this lifelong journey mm-hmm. on that hour. That doesn't mean it would be, diff- it may have been different an hour later. It might have been a different hour before, the day before, whatever, right? Every day is a new day. Mm-hmm. So again, I go back to the sport form. This is what we're trying to promote on that specific time. I want that picture to be the best picture possible. So, and that's called sport form. Mm-hmm. We're not looking, uh, and that's where a lot of people, they get into, um, that's why a fight camp, um, but then they don't do anything after, right? Because they're not, they don't have a larger mission, right? So their art is not going to be fully expressed. That picture in time is a picture of like, say, a 12-week cycle, because mm-hmm. that's a, just a picture of your camp. What did you do in this camp? It's not a picture of your lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. And that's why, uh, that's exactly why, you know, uh, I don't stop training, mm-hmm. right? Someone like Louis is a perfect example, right? He's been doing this stuff. He's, you know, 72 now, right? 71. And 71. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how many meets and competitions has he done? How many max outs have he, has he done? And so you're seeing these constant pictures, right? Mm-hmm. So we're constantly able to to quantify, you know, um, his uh, skill side, right? His mm-hmm. skills and his, uh, you know, quantifying his numbers and everything, going up you know so he can express that art mm-hmm. to the fullest right because that picture in time of his art is going up all the mm-hmm. time right and that's what we're ultimately looking to do um so to wrap this up if you had three books to recommend to people what would those three books be fiction or non-fiction it can be any book at all <laughs> I'm, I'm but fiction is a, a lie that gives you a truth so i'm always always for that <laughs> right uh well fiction would be musashi Mm-hmm. Uh, the big long thousand page book uh, non-fiction first would be the book of five rings um, probably uh, Seneca would be second letters from a stoic so that'd be three awesome. right there cool Matt thank you Bye. Right. we'll talk again next month <laughs>